morning, Avenue Church. How are you today? Oh, my goodness. You'd have thought the time change hit. Anyway, I tell you what, praise God for rain, huh? Never, normally I don't like, I don't really care for rain too much until you don't have it. Then you recognize just how of a good thing that it really is. But um, I am, they call me Pastor James around here, but I'm not the main pastor. That's Pastor Dave DeFrancesca and Tara, his lovely wife. Um, he's about five inches taller and 40 pounds less. So there's no mistaking who's who in that. Um, but he's out blessing someone else today. And, uh, and I tell you what, I am just thrilled that when he leaves, he goes, hey, I, I trust you. I'm going to give you my pulpit to deliver God's word. And, and that's a big honor. That's a big thing. And, and, uh, and so I give them honor. They lead so well. They lead with love first above everything. And they always have a saying that they give to us that your value is just in who you are, not what you do or don't do. Amen? Uh, so then that's how Jesus looks at you. So I tell you what, we are really, really blessed. Um, we have more commun communicators per capita than any church in this area. I'm I would almost think that as many communicate communicators don't exist at Lakewood that exist in this church body right here. And I tell you, they are so good. We've got Justin, Little John, we've got Brandon Harvey, uh, we got obviously Pastor Dave, we've got John Clark, uh, we got Jessica Jones who killed it, which by the way, I've got a small little issue with the Lord. It's a good issue, he can handle it, he's God. But I, tell, I sit there and listen to her first sermon ever, and I said, God, that is so unfair. She absolutely killed it, and I was just beaming over there like a little proud dad. Don't, that's weird maybe, but just, just, bear, just going, man, look at this girl just absolutely deliver God's word with power and authority. And that just is a testament to all of our communicators of the anointing that is on their life. So I tell you what, pastor, he sleeps good on Saturday night when he's not here, knowing that people are here who can take over and do the job. And we are really, really privileged to do that. But um, anyway, if you're online, so good to see you. Thank you for choosing to be with us. You could have been anywhere and, uh, and you're here and, um, and, and just so glad to have you. And God bless you. So we are talking about, we're in a sermon series on miracles, if you didn't know. And um, if this is your first time, we're, we're three weeks in, and, uh, and, and I tell you, it's great. Jessica touched on it a little bit ago, but it's absolutely, I'm so excited. I, I mean, Pastor always does good on his theory, but just when he told us about this one, I immediately get excited because it is my heart's desire that I want to see God move in, in, in our church body. I want to see him move across this world, and I want to see the miraculous take place, and I want, to, I want to hear about it. I want to experience it in my life. I want you to experience it in your life, and so I just believe this is just a prime for, for things that's going to be happening, and so the first week, in case you didn't know, um, I believe that most miracles have a, like a category or a subtitle, if you will, um, the first week, Pastor preached on feeding the 5,000. Now, I started thinking about that, and it all came up to the Lord. Lord, what, what direction do you want me to go in, in my message? And, and, he, and so he, he, he said, hey, well, why don't you think about the different miracles so you don't do a repeat? The first one, feeding 5,000, was a miracle of multiplication. And that multiplication is not only in food. God can move in a lot of different areas when it comes to multiplication. Jessica uh, preached on the woman with the hemorrhage for 12 years. And I, I think, yeah, it's healing. It's kind of all under that. But I think that was a miracle of restoration. And what is restoration? Taking something that is changed and restoring it back to the original condition. And then last week, Pastor preached on Jesus and Peter walking on the water. And, of course, that wasn't what it was all about. It was about destination and, and, and trusting God. But that was a miracle of supernatural uh, or superseding and, and bending the law of physics. And, and so I believe all of these, these miracles actually fall into a category. But I want to talk to you today about uh, a message um, that's going to fall into a category that I'll give you in just a second. Such a, really, such a really, really happy message, too, by the way. 
So let's start off with this. How many of you, uh, you're walking around today with missed hope and dreams? Bad decisions, maybe one decision or maybe a multitude of different decisions. Hopes and dreams, gone. You live life not to live it joyfully. You live life and look at every day as it's just something that needs to be endured. But even in all that disappointment and all the things that you may be going through, you keep thinking, if I could get this one thing to change, I'll be happy. You daydream about it happening. But the only problem is it just never comes. Despair sets in, and now you're just living day-to-day joy. What's that? Plan for the future? Blah. That's my word. Blah. (laughs) Count my blessings? Nah. Easier to count curses. And to top it all off on this great message of happiness, who cares anyway? Who cares God, half the time, I don't even think you care. And so I'm bringing you a message today out of the book of John. And just to give you a little bit of backstory about John, he was the beloved beloved disciple, the one he actually referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved but didn't name it. Well done, John. Um, But in the book of John, he's constantly showing the, the deity of Christ and that he was the chosen one and that only in his name can we find salvation. And he actually says this in John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. But I find something kind of strange. Then in the whole book of John, according to chat GPT, there were only seven miracles in the book of John. And the story that we're going to discuss today, that's where it appears. But Matthew, by comparison, had 27 miracles. Mark 22. In Luke 23. And so I say all that to say this. That out of those seven miracles, John must have really thought that this particular one was really, really important. Or point number two, Matthew, Mark, and obviously Luke wasn't there and John was the only one. So whichever one you want. But I'm going to talk to you today about a man healed at the pool of Bethesda. And that category is not healing. It is, but it's not healing by itself. That category is the miracle of transformation. Because what was healed on that man was more than just his lameness. Amen. Let's go to the book of John, chapter 5, 1 through 9. And after this, there were the feasts of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. And now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, He said to him, do you want to be made well? Some versions, I believe, are are sufficient and mean the same thing. Do you want to be made whole? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming down, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. We're going to play a little video. Shalom. Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? 
get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's still dark. And when I do get close, the other, he steps down in front of me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time. false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. your mat and walk. to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. We could have an altar call right now. That's so good. Everybody bow your head. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, God, for your love and your mercy, God. We thank you, God, that you are in this place, Lord. And I ask, God, that every ear in this place is anointed for the word that you have for them, God. And, Lord, that there is nothing that I speak up here that is of me, but it is all you, Father. Lord, we love you and we thank you in advance for the miracles that are going to take place, the lives that are going to be changed today, God. And, Father, I just lift it up to you, and we give you all the honor and glory and praise, for you deserve it. And, Lord, and we thank you for being good to us. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Um, the Pool of Bethesda, um, it actually means house of mercy. Some versions and some theologians want to say it. It can Some say grace as, as well. But um, it was discovered partially in 1888. Uh, doing an excavation, and uh, and then archaeologists discovered the porches, the five porches, and the fifth side of the pool in 1956. So I say all that to let you know that it is a real 
place. And that the Bible, as Christians, we believe it anyway, but sometimes it just feels good to know that, oh, oh, that's a real place. It is. But here's some things about this, this pool that you may not have known. It's 42 feet deep at its deepest part that the part that they have uncovered as of right now. And the part that's uncovered as of right now is actually larger than an Olympic-sized pool. Um, and so the one thing that I want to point out in the scripture, scripture that it said a great multitude, even in the chosen with them doing such a fantastic job at displaying that story, that in actuality, a great multitude was the same language that they used for the feeding of the 5,000 and, and other areas of large gatherings. Now, I'm not saying there was 5,000, but more than likely there were hundreds and hundreds of people laying around this pool, all vying for one spot. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's, it, I feel like that in my walk with Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, I know this is a personal relationship that I have with you, but, but man, I feel like I'm just trying to beat everybody else to the front of the line. But in this place, it, was, it would be a modern-day drug hangout where the broken and the homeless, the sick and the lame, the outcasts of society would gather. And so it was a dismal place, a horrendous place, a place that you and I would not want to be a part of. And see, and I know that we can look around and we can go, hey, man, my life is pretty good. Thanks be to God. Because it does only take one bad decision. The prisons are filled with people who made one bad decision. And they're there for the rest of their lives. It's, it, um, uh, lives have been upended by one bad decision. And we just never know. It honestly is by the grace of God that we're not there in our place. But I want to start this story by uh, kind of going back to what that man said. He's unnamed. They didn't name him. Um, obviously been there. He's been sick for, for uh, 38 years. Uh, it's not indicating that he was at the pool for 38 years. But as you can see in something that I loved in that story, that when Jesus asked him, do you want to be made do you want to be healed? That he took his eye off to Jesus and started looking at the pool. So I ask you today, what are you looking at? He says, the first thing he tells Jesus, I have no one. I'm all by myself. No one's here. I've been left to deal with my problems on my own. I'm a single mother. I've been divorced. I'm lonely. I have no friends. My life is just lived alone. I cry out for help, and it doesn't come. I ask friends and family, but they've had enough of me. I can't get help from them. I am doing this all alone. But I want to tell you today, you're not alone. Jesus has never left your side. And I want to tell you that if you, if you don't know Jesus, then I will tell you. You are alone, but you are here today. And you have divinely been set up by God so that he can impact your life in a way that you never thought was possible. I have no one. You ever said that? You can be married and be alone. Mm, I'm starting to meddle. You can be in a room full of people and feel like no one sees you. You're not alone. The second thing, and this is the hardest thing, because I can identify with this. He says, I am trying. I'm doing everything I can, but it stays the same. You know what the story of my life is, Pastor James? One step forward, two steps back. That's my story. Nothing ever works out, no matter how much I plan, no matter how much effort I put into it. It seems like nothing ever works out. And you know what? I think that that leads to some of you, potentially, maybe watching online, that you have thoughts that you won't share with anybody. I am sick of trying. It takes every ounce of my strength to get up to take care of my kids, to take care of my spouse, 
to go to work. I am sick of trying. You ever been stepped over? Went around? Has someone ever played the part of being your friend and then stab you in the back? Have you ever felt like maybe God himself stepped right over you? It's hard for Christians. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. It's sometimes hard for Christians to, to rejoice when somebody else receives a blessing because of the condition that their life is in. And you know, and it's heavy. I get it. I wish I had a great joke like Chris Hodges would tell you to, to kind of lift the room, but I want you to feel. I want you to be able to associate the desperation of a man who was laying in one spot or another for 38 years with his hope, the entire hope of his future destined on one spot that he never could reach. I want you to embrace that this morning so that if you're not there, that maybe one day in the future that you are there, you will remember my words that he is with you. I want you to know, maybe not you, but maybe someone else that you recognize that is in that spot, that instead of you just going, man, my life is too busy already, I ain't got time for that, to understand and know, you know what made Jesus so great? I mean, well, I mean, there's only, we could be here all day. <laughs> but the thing was his compassion for people. He would do something all day and go to rest and, and then all of a sudden turn it into a healing line and be there all night. And yet, you know, we, we, we just need that compassion. I'm not going to preach that sermon. And the last thing that he said, and man, I can actually relate to this. Sometimes, before I even preface this point, sometimes I feel like I'm living my life backwards. Like I used to be very shy and introverted. You know, when I was younger, believe it or not. Like, man, that dude don't shut up now. But, but I used to be real shy and introverted. And I, I, I man, I mean, it was just, it, it was kind of almost crippling to a point. But, but then, then I'm now in this age now, I'll be in the line somewhere and just turn around. The lady turn around and look at me. I'm like, how are you doing today? Just, I mean, there's nothing. I'm like, Lord, you could have done that way back when I was like 15, 16. And, you know, but she, anyway, all right. Never mind, I digress. I don't know if that's part of the Holy Spirit or not. But. but he said this right here. He said, I am too late. When he said others are stepping over me and they, they get there before I do. It's just another way to say, it's too late. I'm too late. Every time that you decide to do something, it's after the time that you do something. It, 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 you do it, and you're like, man, it's too late. Uh, I'm going to get you. Sometimes you do something, and you don't recognize it, and then you fail to apologize, and then when you apologize, it's too late. Sometimes you should have taken care of something, and then now you've reaped the benefit of that, but now it's too late. I mean, we feel that, and that operates in our life on a lot of different levels. If you're too late on your light bill, they get cut off. You're like, man, maybe I should have paid that. You know, it, 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 for instance, it, this kind of happened to me. Uh, I sold my house too early and lost out. Now, other ones are saying I sold my house too late and can't afford the interest rate for a similar house. It, it's something always too late. And we don't really know what to do when we get into these problems. And when you put all three of them, I have no one, I'm trying, and nothing ever seems to work out. And then, even when it seems to work out in my favor, it's too late. And so you go, what is going on? So I wrote down some things on what I, I think that could cause you to feel like this, especially if you're a born-again Christian. 
Number one, we have our own dreams, and we're asking God to bless those dreams and not the dreams he has for us. I told you I'm meddling. See, sometimes when we get with the Lord, we say, hey, Lord, okay, I already got my life mapped out. This is what I want to do. And so we lay it out, and we start going after it, and we're doing it, and we're doing it, and we're trying to do it. But yet at the end of the day, we're like, everything we do, I'm trying, I'm all alone, nothing's working out, and when something does, it's too late, and we're going, God, what is going on with that? I don't understand. You said that you would give me the desires of my heart. But you forgot that he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and then those things that are in your heart shall be added unto you. But now I'm coming back to get you. But here's the deal. When you seek the kingdom of God first, and he says that all these things will be added unto you, and he gives you the desires of your heart, but when you seek his kingdom the way that he wants you to seek his kingdom, the desires of your heart will change. You will, you will say, man, I, I want fame. I want money. I want, I want, oh, this is my favorite, and I use it. I want favor. I want favor, Lord. Front row parking spot, favor. Hashtag blessing. You know, we, we love that. But yet, the whole time, we're trying to pound a square dream into a round destination that God has set for us. And we are going, come on, Lord. Come on. You have let me down. You, come on, Lord. You said you would be with me. And he's like, I ain't even called you to that. You know what he's obligated to keep? His word. And you know the only promises that he's obligated to keep are the promises that when you step into his will for your life, that perfect will of your life, and you start walking it out, that's when everything just seems to always turn out right. You want an example? Let's talk about Paul just for a second. Paul shipwrecked in jail. He could be in jail writing letters of encouragement. You know why? Because he goes, I know this ain't my end. And you know what? It, it happened every single time. It happened. Jail bars, earthquakes would come and jail bars would swing open. And he'd just go ahead and just save the jailer's family or lead them to Christ. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff. And so we're going, hey, where's my Paul life? Get into his will. Get into what he's called you to do. And you're going to see a Paul life start to take place. We can't, we can't force God to do the dream that we want unless it lines up with the dream that he has for us. Amen? Amen. Another reason why we could kind of feel like this is uh, if, if we're, we're pulled in one direction and we're unsettled, and it's because we have one foot in the world and one in God. James said, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we're, so let's just, uh, we're going to go down and kind of work into it. One, okay, now we're into the will of God, where at least we're trying. And we're trying to find out what that will is. But we just seem to be just like this. And that's as far as I'm going. <laughs> We've got one leg in the world. And we can go either way, like a linebacker. We can go this way. If it's God, sometimes, depending on who we're hanging out, maybe we go this way, and it's the world. And so we are pulled in different directions. Our allegiances are split. It's almost like when he says, you can't serve two masters. You serve God or money. If you go after money, then I tell you, and that's all you care about, then I am telling you right now, your, your time with God, you're, you're going to always be pulled in these directions. You should be in church. We're like, man, got to work on Sunday. Got to make that money. But it goes in a lot of different things as well. And, and I'm going to ask you this. There's possibly a lot of you that God has already spoken to your life about you being involved potentially in, 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 the, in the church and, 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 you know, a dream team and, and things like that. And really what it comes down to, and you're going, man, you know, I ain't got time really. And, and look, I get it. I, I get all of it. I do. I, I've had three kids. They're grown now, so I don't have to worry about it. But, but I get all of that. But, but I'm telling you, that some of you sometimes just have to say, hey, God, my life is your life. And if you and I feel that unctioning and that, that pull in my heart to step out and, and do a little something besides what I'm doing, then, then God's going to start moving. But, it, but sometimes we can't even get you to that point. And, we're, and we, we, we do good. We do good with our crew. I love our dream team. 
But some of you are called to do that. Some of you are called to maybe host a class or a small group or something like that. It's in your heart to do it, but you keep letting other stuff get in the way. And I just say, step into it and watch God work everything else out. Another part is, we haven't surrendered. And kind of like Saul before he was Paul, he pushes against God. And I just led into that, didn't, didn't realize that kind of. But surrendering to God is a sign to where God can actually go, okay, now that I got you where I want you, I'm going to start turning these things around. And you know what? It, it, it's funny because I'm, I, I told you, I really am extroverted. I, I'm more comfortable. I can, I can hang out with you guys, and I'll immediately go home and just go into my room by myself. And, but I, I'm just saying, it, it, it's just one of those weird things. But, but at the end of the day, oh, I, don't, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Ah, hate that. But we haven't surrendered our will to God. And until you get to that point, things could be rough. You could be pulled and unsettled, and your dreams could be offline. When we see ourselves like the lame man saw himself, good for nothing unless that one thing comes to pass. Now, we've kind of laid out the foundation of what that man's life was like a little bit. It, I'm probably not even doing it justice. 38 years on a mat. And if you, if you saw the whole story, if you see The Chosen, and again, I'm going to plug it. If you ain't seen it, you need to watch it. It can literally change your life. It will change the way you read your Bible. I can tell you that for, for certain. But for 38 years, he laid there trying and doing everything that he did. And yet I find it very funny. Oh, I'm sorry. That Jesus goes, do you want to be made well? And he says all these things as excuses. And they were so cut off from that whole place that in actuality, they, he didn't even know who Jesus was. I don't even know if he'd ever heard about him or not. And um, so anyway, very, very, very strange cut off place over there. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus says. You have me. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And what I love about this story is that Jesus, and I, I don't understand this, that Jesus walked past everyone else to that one man. But that is a point that I want to drive home. He is God. And he sees you. Out of all the billions of people on this earth, I believe today that God wants to show you, I see you. I am with you. I've never left you alone. You're not alone because he desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to love you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to, he wants to bless your life everywhere you go in him. You're not alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sometimes we hear it so much it gets old, but think about it. I will never leave you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, I will never leave you nor turn my back on you. So if you're feeling hopeless and in, in despair this morning, that's going to end today because he is with you. He singled him out out of the hundreds, potentially thousands. And if he healed anybody else, John decided not to record it. But he went straight to him. And here's the part that, Pastor Brandon, that confounds my mind. Jesus didn't even know who he was. I mean, uh, he didn't know who Jesus was. No clue. Let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? And I love the way the chosen puts it. We don't know for fact, so we'll just go with that version. 
Let me ask you a question. Yeah, okay. You want to be made well. I'm having a really bad day. I mean, could there be a worse response? He didn't even know who Jesus was, but Jesus knew who he was. And if he can pick out a lame man out of the hundreds, potentially thousands of people, and beeline straight for them, then I tell you what, he's got a beeline to your life this morning. He was a needle in a haystack to their average person, but not to Jesus. Rest in me. I am trying. But Jesus says, you can rest in me. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm going to ask you to do something today. <laughs> Stop trying. Wait, wait, what, 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 do you, what do you mean just, just stop trying? No, rest. Take a step back and say, you know what, God? All my striving and all my trying hasn't got me anywhere, so here's what I'm going to do, Lord. I am going to take a step back, and I'm just going to say, just take it. God, you handle it. I'm resting in you. I can't do it on my own. I've tried. I have done everything I know to do. And it's failed. So rest. You've got nothing to lose. Zero to lose. But to step back. You want me to tell you when God changed my life? When I grabbed hold of the, the freedom curriculum and I found out that, that my that my access to God and whether or not he hears me when I pray and all that, when I realized that the work was so completely done that all I had to do is just sit back and accept what he did. So I am telling you this morning, stop trying. Step back and say, God, I give it all to you. And if anything changes in my life, it's going to be because you did it. And even though it sounds counterintuitive, it, it sounds like, no, 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 no. It can't be that easy. You know why? Because it's easier to believe in the faith of what you're doing than it is to believe that you don't have to do nothing, just turn it over to him. It takes more faith to believe that way than it does if you're out there just busting your tail to try to make something happen. Stop trying. Stop striving. Rest. Rest. And see if God doesn't show up. And number three, and this is the hard one for us to believe sometimes, but he's not late, he's always on time. Listen to Habakkuk 2.3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Now, you can argue with me or discuss it that that was a, a vision for Israel and it may, but Israel and a lot of different things are to the church of God. They're his chosen people. We're his chosen people. They are sealed with a mark. We're sealed with a mark. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus doesn't waste anything. We are overcomers and victorious in his name. And his goal is for us to recognize that in this life and to act accordingly. You say, wait a minute, man. There is a lot of things that has happened that I would deem God late. You're still here. Still moving one foot in front of the other, even though sometimes you don't want to. He's never late. Because at the end, he's, at the end of the day, what he wants, because he sees the, 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 the beginning of your life and the end of your life at the same exact time, that's why he can navigate you through. And if it's not late, if he's not late, then he's always right on time. Because he's more worried about this 
than that. Some of it is you got to learn to trust him. Some of it is you gotta you gotta learn to walk away. Some of the things he's gotta you think he's late, but it's because you're just hard headed and you just won't stop doing something. But every but his whole goal is this in gentleness and love, forgiveness and grace and mercy and all those words that we really cling to and we love. He is using all those things. Notice I didn't say condemnation. Even the Holy Spirit, when he convicts you of something that you've done wrong, is never bashing you over the head. He is always saying, here is the way. Walk in it. Don't do that. That's not good for you. Walk this way. And I don't know about you, but I've actually thought about this sometimes. God, are you running some sort of answered prayer lottery? God, is it, you know, if, if I say a prayer, is it, again, do I catch you at the right time? You know, was, was, it, was it, you know, was it a promotion? You know, promotions day, you know, everybody in the world playing praying for a promotion this is their day and man I just keep missing the wrong day and and so but I'm telling you no he's not I believe that Jesus wants to heal us but I believe one thing just as much Jesus wants us happy regardless of where we are and what we're going through because you are more whole in that situation than if he gave you what you prayed for when it comes to your body or anything else what I'm saying is if you need a miracle in your body today that's great and he can do it but I also am of the firm opinion that regardless of what we battle against every single day if we can still find the joy of the Lord in that that you are a stronger person in that than you would be if he healed your body 100% complete because the one thing that's not up on the screen is when he came back around to Jesus and Jesus said, go and sin no more lest a worse thing comes upon you. And I pondered that. What are you talking about? What do you mean? He, would, he couldn't move for 38 years. What could be worse than that? And I'll tell you, to be able to be walking around but be stuck in the same mentality that he had laying beside that pool. You tell me which one is worse. To have the one thing that he wanted more than anything, but then maybe, just maybe, find himself laying beside that pool because it was all he had ever known but yet he could walk but that's the place that he feels comfortable that's the place that feels like home and some of us are so used to the stuff that we're in that it feels like home and even when God tried to pull you out you run back to it but it stops today I want to show you a picture of someone. You can go ahead and put it up there. Of someone who could have easily laid down and said, I have no one. I'm trying. I'm all alone. That's Nick Vujacic. And if there is such thing as a hero in this world, that's it. As you can see, with no arms and no legs, and you know what he does? He goes around the world, popping, prepping people up, encouraging them, showing them that no matter what, he's a born-again Christian, that no matter what you're going through, God can use you. A man with no arms and no legs is going around encouraging people with full faculties, all their limbs, and they're sitting in the audience with tears streaming down their face because just like this man we only pay attention to him getting up and walking but I honestly believe that when Jesus said do you want to be made whole Jesus wanted to take everything that we have talked about this morning the mindset, the heart 
all, he healed the whole man. And if God can take Nick and use him, he can take you and use you. So in closing, I want to ask you my question. What's the pull of your pull? What's the pull that's keeping you where you are today? Right there beside, just like that lame man. Right there by that pool. What is it? I can't get up, God. This, is, this, this one thing's got me. And no matter where I go, no matter what I do, it just it pulls me back to that place. It's the one thing that all of your hope is pinned on. You've looked for ways to make it happen. Matter of fact, you've plotted, you've planned, you've manipulated. Some of you even lied trying to make it happen. But when all that fails, you turn to God and you ask Him to happen, to make it happen, and it's still not done. Locked you into that one moment or that one incident. Can't leave if you wanted to. You've tried. Pull to that pull with invisible chains that no one can see, but you can feel them. God wants to do a miracle here today. He wants to break those chains. And He wants to give you the life that He gave the lame man. Some of you aren't even 38 years old, but you have 38 years of trials and tribulations and things you don't understand and things that have happened to you. You've lived two lifetimes worth of bad luck, no breaks, no chances. But that's going to change today. But I have to tell you one more thing. What you're looking to happen cannot be the foundation under which your life is laid. That foundation has to be Jesus. Again, He's talking to the king of the universe. Everything was put under subjection in heaven and earth and even in hell to Jesus. And when he says, do you want to be made well? He turned and looked at the pool. So I ask you this morning, do you want to be made well? Don't turn and look and think of anything else. Look at him. Look at Jesus. I've told you this before. I should not be here. Childhood, how I was raised, shouldn't be here. I should be an evil, terrible person. But God reached down and saved me. And I get to do this every now and again, just out of desperation. Yeah, Lord, here I am. I can't take it anymore. Here I am. Use me however you want to use me. Are you there? Stand to your feet, please. I love this, and I hope you caught it. <laughs> because I believe this morning that it's going to happen for you if it doesn't happen automatically it's going to the process is going to begin but i love what peter if you caught what peter said at the end of that video and i say this to you you're not coming back here that life is over everything changes now amen Everything changes now. Bow your head, close your eyes. I'm so grateful for every person that's in this building today. But I just want a show of hands this morning. If you just want to go, nobody's looking around. If you just want to go, Pastor James, man, I feel like that lame man. 
laying beside that pool. I just can't seem to get anything together. And all I'm asking is you, you're raising your hand this morning. You're just saying, hey, God, that's me. And I need you to move in my life. I want you to raise your hand right now. Right now. Thank you for those hands. Come on, don't be shy. Thank you for those hands. You can put them down. Thank you. I want to pray for you. And I want everybody in the room to, to, to just tell God while I'm praying, God, this is what I want to be broken from. This is the thing that I need that, that keeps pulling me to the pool that I got to leave behind. Father, I lift up every person that raised their hands in this building, even those who didn't, God. Lord, that today is the day that you're going to move in their life, Lord. Them raising their hand was an act of surrender, saying, God, I need you to move in my life this morning. So, Father, I lift them up to you, God, and I say, I say to them in the name of Jesus, be healed and be made whole. And, Father, I pray today, God, that chains are breaking off, Lord. Lord, that they're going to walk into their destiny beginning today. That the weight of life has been lifted off of their shoulders, Father. Lord, I ask you to bless their hearts in the name of Jesus. And now for this last request, I want to ask you this morning. And I'm going to be very blunt. If you don't know Jesus... I don't know if you've got a chance to turn it around. If you don't know Jesus, where else can you go? He loves you. He died for you. He cares for you. He wants to be with you more than you can even realize. So I want to ask you this morning, if you want a chance and an opportunity to get to know God, we're not going to embarrass you, but I just want you to raise your hand and say, this morning, Pastor James, I want to give my life to the Lord. Anybody? Amen. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. I hope that you are all saved and born again. Amen. Amen. We love you. I tell you what, let's just give Jesus a big hand clap of praise for everything that he's done this morning. And we thank you, Lord. Amen.